You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Syndrome. A definition for the word syndrome, one dictionary defined it as a number of symptoms occurring together, and it literally, the word comes from running together. These things that go together, the word syndrome does. Another definition defined it this way, the pathology or the psychiatry of the word is a group of symptoms that are characteristic of a specific disorder, disease, or the like. Now, obviously, I'm probably not going to talk to you about syndrome, S-Y-N-D-R-O-M-E. It's going to be syndrome, S-I-N-D-R-O-M-E. If somebody has a cough, a fever, a runny nose, they have a what? Probably got a cold. That's what we think because those are the symptoms of a cold. If someone has a cough, a fever, and a runny mouth, what do they have? (laughs) Something else. Now let's start in Genesis, if you would. Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole creation account. Adam and Eve in the garden, they're tempted to sin. They choose to sin. And then what happens after they've sinned? God shows up like he always did. I mean, these people had a sweet deal. They had a deal where they could walk with God in the cool of the day. It doesn't get any better than this until heaven now. And here we can do that, but we got all the problems that come with it. But let's start in verse 7. This is after they sinned. Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. So what is the first thing they did after they sinned? They covered. They realized they were naked, and they started covering themselves. Look at the next verse. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife, now what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. When you are not rightly related to God, you're not walking with God, Christian or non-Christian, when you decide you're going to get away from God, there are things that start happening. You start covering and you start hiding. Then the next thing, and he said, God says to Adam, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? All he wanted was a simple confession. I know you did it. Did you do it? And then the third thing that happens. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. The third thing he did was blame. Now, I'm not saying these are all the categories, but I think it does encompass a lot of our stuff. If you decide that you are not going to do what God wants you to do, then you start covering up. So no one can see what's going on. You start hiding, and then you start blaming. You will not take responsibility. And these are symptoms of what? Now, see, the three things they did, cover, hide, and blame, were symptoms of what? Of sin. So the syndrome here is that they did not want to say, you know what, you said no, we decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We confess, we admit. They just start fixing it themselves, and you can teach people stuff, you can tell people this stuff, but left to ourselves, what do we end up doing? 
we get in a bad situation, we got sin in our lives, and we start covering that sin. Then God comes along and says, hey, what are we doing? Come back, come back. We start trying to hide from him like you can do that. And then if he finally gets into a conversation with us, if we don't take responsibility for our actions, then we say, well, it's my dad's fault. That's why my life's all messed up. It's my parents, it's my sister, my brother, a boss, an ex-husband, an ex-wife, my kids. My problems are all the result of somebody else. It's not my fault, it's not my responsibility. No matter what happened in your life, all the bad stuff that ever happened in the world is a result of sin. Whether it's yours or somebody else's, take responsibility for your own stuff, forgive those people, and get on with your life. Now if you don't, you're gonna have trouble. Now, if you'll turn, let's go to Matthew 12 first. Matthew chapter 12 in the New Testament. Now, let me try to explain where we're going to go specifically today with this. All of us are either walking with God or we're not. If we're not walking with God as a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, then none of this is going to make much sense at all. You're just doing the best you can with what you don't have. But if you're not walking with God and you're a Christian, then all kind of junk is going to manifest. Now, I'm going to trace this really fast all the way back to one word, and the word is sin. You say, well, no, 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 it's not sin. It's tied to this argument over here we had, and this has been going on in our house for 10, 20, 30 years. It's not sin. It's sin. And unless you identify the root cause of your problem, the symptoms are just going to just come and go and come and go. You say, well, I don't want to deal with my issue. Then you better get ready to deal with your life exactly the way it is because it's not going to change take responsibility for my stuff. Your life is not going to change. Now, the other person may say, well, whatever, and walk off. But at least I can take responsibility for my actions, my attitude, and do the right thing. And then I can get in a place where I can pray for the person that something good will happen to them as opposed to the other stuff you might be praying for that person. Now, I think this stuff is universal. It's not just husbands and wives. It's not just boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not just kids and parents it's co-workers and we go into our lives and we forget you're getting hit with symptoms of the problem and if you don't identify the root cause of the problem you can't go after it to stop it long term you're just dealing with these little things on the surface now look at matthew 12 22. now i'm going to give you some very extreme examples of the consequences of sin and frankly there are people who believe this stuff doesn't happen anymore And I think you got to be very careful saying, you know, there's a demon under every rock out there. But I believe God is real. I believe the devil's real. I believe there are angels. I believe there are fallen angels called demons. And I believe they did not take the last 2,000 years off. Because there's enough hell breaking loose in my own life to prove that something is up. And when Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the thief is the devil, he said, I'm come that you might have life, have it to the full. Somebody is working their plan on me to steal, kill, and destroy. You have a real enemy. There is really stuff going on. Somebody wants to destroy you, your family, everything you've got. And this stuff manifests itself in some instances. Matthew 12, 22, one verse. Then one was brought to him, one was brought to Jesus, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute so he couldn't see he couldn't talk demon possessed and he healed him so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw now was the demon the cause of the blindness and not being able to speak you say well he had three things going on here he got rid of the demon and then he healed the other two things 
So are there manifestations of this? You say, well, I don't think I can track it specifically to that, but Jesus did fix some problems. Go to Matthew 17. Let me give you another one. Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Now, I'm probably better off not even reading this stuff because it's pretty controversial. But is epilepsy a disease, a sickness, or is it a demon? Well, in some case here, it appears to be tied because Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. There was some evil, some demonic, something going on in that case at least where the kid was cured of his epilepsy because a demon was cast out of him. Now, the symptom in his specific case was epilepsy, but Jesus knew the root cause of it was something else going on in the kid's life. And instead of just talking about dealing with the epilepsy, Jesus went after what was causing the problem in this kid's specific case. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So aren't we on your team? What happened? We use the same words, you know, we're praying, we got power, don't we? You sent us out. In some translations, you may not even have these verses. Part of the reason I use the New King James Version is it includes this stuff. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, the reason you couldn't cast it out is you didn't believe. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You might not find that verse. Now, I personally believe that that was the case that some prayer and fasting had gone into Jesus' own life, and when he stepped up the plate, he pulled the trigger, and something happened. Now, let me try to come back to some practical stuff, and this is relational stuff, job, employee, church stuff, whatever it is. We have got to figure out ways to stop reacting to each other and start responding to each other. And men, especially as a man, as an employee someplace, as a boss someplace, as a husband, as a father, whatever your categories are, you have got to pray for yourself. You've got to stop covering your sin. You've got to stop hiding. You've got to stop blaming everybody else. Take responsibility. Look at your family and say, what is going on in my house? Where is this trouble coming from? The symptoms are my kids are acting out. The symptoms are my wife's upset. She's not happy. Whatever's going on, you say, okay, God, I see the symptoms. What is the cause? And I am going to climb in a closet somewhere and pray and find out what the cause is and get my house back in order. And if you don't take responsibility for your own life and then move through your house and see what's going on, then you're going to have chaos from now on. If this is about learning some religious facts about God and his omnipotence and omniscience and all the omni things out there there are, and that's it, you just got stuff in your head and it is not changing your life, that's not why Jesus died. He did not die so we'd have more information. He died so that we'd have some transformation in our lives, in our families, in our world. Romans chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, 
Let me just read a few verses, then I'll get to the one. Verse one, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So if you're working for something, the wages you get, it pays that off, that's the debts paid. You got something for what you did. Verse 5, and all it says is this, but to him who does not work but believes on him. What? You are working. You're not believing. And my whole life was built on being a good enough person to get God to love me. It's not in there. Then it's a working deal. It's work for wages. He said, but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. And what he did was try to get me to the place where I believed this stuff, not was working for this stuff. And see, what we do is we go, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. Well, I got to act like to the world. I got to cover this stuff up, hide from God. And if he ever finds me, I'll blame somebody else. It's not my fault. And we have these elaborate systems the way we do all this stuff. And what we're trying to do with our lives is say, look at me, God, I got my shirt clean and nice and look at my life and I'm doing a good job. He's like, what are you talking about? I see all of you, you're a whitewashed tombstone. I know what's in there, just admit what I already know and let's go to work on the inside and we'll work our way out. But see, I wanted to be happy and blessed and all my problems go away. I didn't really want a relationship with God, I just didn't want my life to suck anymore. So if God came along and just fixed up the veneer, you know, just cleaned it all up and said, oh, you look much better. God bless you. Be on your way. But I didn't want to know him. I didn't want to worship him. I didn't want to walk with him and talk with him. Then I'd missed the whole thing. So what did I have to do in my case? Now, of all those problems gone away, I don't have trouble with the symptoms when I deal with the cause. But when I start covering up my symptoms and propping my little life up and not going to God and saying, you know what? The reality is this is my responsibility. It is my fault. I take responsibility. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to cover. I'm not blaming. It's you and me. And you've been nothing but good to me. And I have deliberately gone off and lived this way. And I'm back. Let's try James 4. I'm going to read this, and the reason for reading this is to give you a very practical example of what is going on in all of our lives in our interpersonal relationships. And James here goes right at a specific thing that I think is going on with them, but is universal. James 4, verse 1 and following. And he starts out with this question. Where do wars and fights come from among you? What is causing all this strife? And one translation used the word brawls. I mean, there are churches where it just goes fisticuff almost. There are churches where people sit like this in an auditorium and absolutely despise someone across the room. How many of y'all hate someone right here in this room? Raise your hand. There you go. Don't raise your hand. I'm about honesty, but I don't want to get into that right now. There's a relative peace in this room as far as I know. But you know what? There could be someone that hates the person right next to them. And there's animosity and there's bitterness and there's stuff that's been boiling. And he says, where do these wars and fights come from among you? And he goes at it. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. 
adulterers and adulteresses, he calls them. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right out of James, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? And you say, well, what are you talking about? I'm trying to talk about everyday stuff, where we live, where we have our challenges. And so in the midst of all my desires for things and pushing and trying to make something happen, God comes along and the Holy Spirit says, okay, buddy, what are we doing? Is this working out really good for you? I don't think so. Why don't we try it my way? So at least where I am personally is trying to look at it a little better and say, God, help me see my own stuff. Stop covering it up. Stop hiding. Stop blaming somebody else. Take responsibility. And whether it's my wife or anybody else, stop reacting and start responding. And when something happens, say, okay, God, what is going on here? And instead of dealing with the symptom, then you start saying, okay, God, help me go a little bit deeper. And if I'm going to deal with the situation and I can't control the other side, show me at least if I claim to care about the situation, the person, how can I pray for my wife in this case and her life be better because I am encouraging and praying and asking you to bless her and show her whatever needs to happen so that she'll feel better. Now, what happens when you start praying for somebody like that is whether they change or not, he starts really messing your world up because now he comes after you. Because when I'm praying for her, he says, well, here's her problem. You're being selfish. Well, no, no, I didn't mean that, God. I meant fix her, leave me alone. (laughs) You misunderstood my prayer. I just think if she's happier, then I'll be happier and then I can go on. See, I just want to deal with my own symptoms. He says, no, 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 we're going after you too. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God, the context, whether you know this or not or seen this or not, is prayer. And the one little piece that I want to read is Ephesians 6, 10, and just a couple of verses. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If you're going to fight the devil, you're going to have to have some armor on. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. My problem is not my wife. Her problem is not me. Your problem is not your boss. Your problem is not your employees. Your problem is not your father, your mother. Those people are the first What you see, there's something going on behind that. Someone is pushing buttons. And if those people don't know God and are not walking and talking with God, they are puppets in a game, and he knows your buttons, he knows mine. He goes, I'll just, you know, I'll punch him right there. Whoa, you get hit and pop off and say something. And then if the other person on the side is not walking with God, then I react, and he goes, well, I used her to poke you, and now you got war. Instead of stopping and saying, you know what? I'm tired of being played in this game. What is going on, God? And so you look and you listen and you say, okay, is that valid criticism? Okay, I'll take that. That's right. God, something else is going on here. What's going on? And then you keep probing. You keep praying. You say, help me see what's up here in this situation and deal with that. Now, the problem for me is I forget. And then I get selfish. And you know what? I want a nice fight. Because the world's lie is, well, if you have a good fight, then you can kiss and make up, and won't that be fun? So now we're fighting to kiss and make up. How stupid is that? Oh, it just seems so romantic. Yeah, and all the hell you have to go through to get there. A guy from the city was working 
on our water connection outside and he took the meter out and found a leak and found another leak and I'm out there going, okay, the water's off and okay, God, what am I doing out here with this water department guy, you know, with this leak? You've allowed this for some reason. So when you get in the place where you say, I'm not going to be frustrated, angry, I'm going to go with this. All this has happened for this guy to be at my curb. So I say, you know, you figure out ways to have these conversations. I said, so, uh, so you live around here? Live around here. You know, I find out about his life. He says, so what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. Really? I grew up in church. He comes back and forth. Turns out he's a Christian. He's probably 20-something years old. Great, hard-working plumber dude down there having water sprayed all over him. And so I'm thinking, Lord, how can I communicate the gospel and encourage this kid who's going to be gone in just a minute? And he's got these wrenches and pipes and shovels and all this stuff. I said, you know, you're a Christian. You've already told me that. I see that. I said, could you do your job without all these tools? And he said, no. I said, that's the same problem you're having with being a Christian. I said, because when you become a Christian, God issues you this box of tools. And I said, unless you stay around some other plumber spiritually that know how to use these tools, you got them, you just don't know what to do with them. So you're down there digging with your hands, trying to make it work, and it's just not working, and you get really frustrated. I said, you've got what it takes, you just don't know how to use what you got. But running from God, hiding from God, getting away from his people is not going to help the situation. He said, well, I work on Sundays. You know, oh, that's, that's it. I work on Sundays. That's my problem. I said, you know what? That doesn't stop you. Find some godly men, get around them, and let them show you how to use the wrench and the shovel and use some leverage. He had all kind of stuff. He could just turn something with simple principle of leverage. And he looked up at me and he said, you know, that really helps that example you used about the tools. Something went off in him and he got it. We have the tools to live this life the way he intended. They're right here in this book. You say, well, I read it and I don't get it. I don't know what's in my toolbox. Then find somebody and say, look, you got to help me break this down. Or I'm going to break down. And my wife and my life and my relationships, everything's falling apart. Is there a better way to live? That's what happened to me. I couldn't take it anymore. I said, I want to either die or figure out what's in my toolbox. Now, some of you have a little higher tolerance for pain than others, and you're going to let this go a little while. And be digging in the mud with your hands. I'm a plumber. See my fingernails? I'm a plumber. Or you can gather with a group of people in a church someplace, find some godly men and women and say, will you help me? I don't know what I'm doing. I got all these tools and don't know what to do with it. And I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray for myself. I don't know how to pray for my wife, my kids, whatever's going on that you are the symptoms of it when you really need to be going at the root cause of the thing. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, specifically, Lord, today, and all the symptoms that we deal with in our lives and other people's. I pray that behind it all we would see that basically the root cause of all of our trouble is sin. No sin, no death. No sin, no sickness. No sin, it's heaven, and we're not there yet. 
But Father, we get little glimpses of it. We get a taste of it when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ who lived for us, died on that cross, shed his blood, was buried and raised from the dead to make not just eternal life possible with you, Lord, but abundant life between here and heaven. Father, help us be aware that there's a real enemy, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that the devil has a, what he sees as a wonderful plan for our lives to steal, kill, and destroy, but you want to give us life and give it to us to the full. Thank you for the pain, for the problems, for all the junk that gets in our lives that drives us to you, Lord. Help us be wise enough once we get to you to stay there and not need a bunch of problems to get us back there. Just help us get close and stay close and trust you and follow you. For those that don't know you, Lord, maybe somebody would just say, God, I've messed my whole life up. I've been trying to do this, live it my way. I've been hiding, covering, blaming, doing everything that says. I take responsibility. I realize I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. And I'm going to agree with what you say and stop arguing and fighting and just let you love me and let you come live in me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried and raised from the dead, not just to get me into heaven, but to give me a great life. Still with some pain, still with some suffering, but at least I'm not alone, Lord. I know I'll still have challenges, but at least I have you to face them with. Change my heart, change my mind, change my life, and show me how this deal works, Lord, not being some crazy religious person, but really living the way you intended, the way you designed for me to live, and surround me with people who can help me do it better. Thank you for loving us and being so patient with us. Give us wisdom this day. Forget tomorrow, God. We may not see tomorrow. We're going to need help just getting through this day to do it your way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.